Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faculty Podcast brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., which is part of a 50-plus year endeavor to prepare pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name is Scott Redd. I'm president here at RTS Washington. I'm joined by my colleagues, Dr. Tommy Keene, Dr. Grace Sutanto, and Dr. Peter Lee, my esteemed colleagues. Uh, I know that we have had some somewhat sporadic release of podcasts over the course of this summer, and that's been mostly due to travel of this faculty and yours truly, that we've been um, teaching and traveling and abroad a good bit. And so there actually hasn't been too much time, guys, that we've been able to get together and chat. But it's good to be with you now, even if over Zoom, because of my travel. It's it's nostalgic. This this brings this is the early podcast days. Yeah, that's right. These are like the first two years, I think, wasn't it? But it was all it's all over until until Gray Sutanto joined us here stateside due to COVID and Gray's uh, Gray's travel. But Indeed. it's great to be with you guys now. Um, so we're going to continue on in our Fruit of the Spirit series, and we are at our penultimate fruit, as it were. Uh, gentleness. We've been working through the list that Paul gives us in the letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, where Paul says in 23, where Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so we've now come to gentleness, and it raises the question, brothers, that this term gentleness is not the kind of term that you see occurring in a whole lot of lists in the old testament or in the new in terms of lists of righteous things uh you know that should be expected of god's people it does show up in the old testament kind of in relationship to the word humility um perhaps even humiliation and it raises the question then what should we think about what kinds of behaviors and dispositions should we include under the rubric of this term gentleness yeah, it doesn't it doesn't show up on a lot of those virtue lists, but I was, you know, as we kind of were reading through some of the parallel uh, passages, it does show up on a lot of leader lists, like qualities of leaders in particular. So Peter's uh, Peter commands shepherds to be to be gentle of heart. Um, we've got it when Timothy and Titus are uh called to rebuke or to correct they're called to do it with gentleness or in gentleness uh, and it shows up on paul's list of qualifications for elders and 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 leaders in the church so it, it's interesting that it does collate in some ways around those leaders lists. these are qualities virtues that are particularly pertinent for uh, those in situations of, of leadership and teaching. And that I think that makes sense in, in a manner of speaking. I mean, as a pastor, teacher, leader, at times, uh, you know, we have the unfortunate, well, I don't know about unfortunate, but the difficult task of rebuking uh, and um, to do that effectively and to do that well. I mean, just the fact of a rebuke is already a bit um uh it can can come across as harsh so to do it with a spirit of gentleness um with some humility um it that does seem to make sense to me and uh and, and i know for a, a lot of times when i have had to uh 
do rebuke uh, either of my children or of congregants, uh, you know, you just need to learn how to do that with a real, with a lot of uh, humility, again, with a lot of grace, with a um, kind of a soft hand, just because, again, the nature of a rebuke is already kind of uh, a bit, you know, is aggressive. It, it is a bit harsh. So what should we say of gentleness then? Is it is it kind of a negative attribute? In other words, not harsh or something like that? Um, how do we positively build up then what gentleness is? I mean, I like what you guys have said. It seems like something has to do with, with humility, um, uh, a softness, and yet softness can also be just described as a, as a term or a mode. Like, what do we mean by softness? Is it kind of like an understanding? Is that what it is? Kind of a, a, an empathy or sympathy with the person? Um, how would we advise, if, for instance, a parent, okay, because we're, we're talking about children, I think that's a good starting point. How would we advise a, a parent to be gentle with your kids? If I could pull out Paul's instruction to Titus here in Titus 3.2, he says, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, and that's our word, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. So it, it's coupled with this idea of courteousness, of not considering, you know, not putting oneself forward, but really considering the other person as the 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 object who needs needs help. Um, so I wonder if that if that helps that it is this kind of like attempt to respect the other person and show them the kind of courtesy that they're due as you know as a as a human being as a as a child of god yeah i think that's good i mean the particularly bringing into it the dignity of the child of god and that you're not adding to judgment by adding harshness and i mean to use a, a phrase that we used to, we talk about today kind of making the other person out to be you know um some kind of unique uh object of of ridicule perhaps on one side or just harshness or kind of flying off the handle but rather um you know seeing them as someone who's worthy of being treated with dignity and understanding even in their failure right whether that failure is finitude due to finitude or due to fallenness you know that they're worthy of being treated with respect with a certain kind of sympathy i think we've all experienced this you know when you've been sort of berated or um you know by someone who's kind of you know, harsh in their language and is not showing an air of sympathy or empathy in the way that they're offering their criticism versus someone who's coming with this kind of spirit of gentleness, who is, um, uh, you know, not, not seeking to kind of like annihilate you in their language, I guess, or annihilate you that, you know, there's a way that even as a leader or as a parent or as a Christian brother or sister, that you can come in against someone and kind of be, um, you know, have the spirit of like annihilation of the person and the way that you're dealing with them. You know, you're 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 negating their value and their and their dignity. And this is approaching it from a different perspective, right? One that actually honors them and shows mercy in that way. 
Yeah, I think when we think about gentleness, we should keep in view the whole context of Paul's own life and ministry. I mean, in Galatians 1.8, at the very beginning of this letter, he talks about how if anyone, even an angel, preaches a different gospel, let them be under God's curse, which displays a kind of harshness, even as you were saying, Scott, a kind of annihilation that normally wouldn't associate gentleness with, right? So somehow gentleness is not in conflict with this sense of urgency and even absoluteness with regard to a condemnation when it's appropriate to a particular situation or particular act. So when I think about gentleness, I associate it with Exodus 34, 7. For instance, God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, also reiterated in many Psalms, of course. But then after that, it says, but he would by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children from the first to third generations. So there's this slow to anger, and then at the same time, there is this curse and this commitment of God to recognize sins for what they are and to therefore punish the sins in accordance with what the sins deserve. So these two things somehow go together, and I think the concept that's key to see how they go together is the idea of proportionality, right? Uh, that when what you were saying, Scott, when, when you're seeing somebody who's committing a particular mistake or error that isn't a grievous offense, you're not going to treat it as if it's a grievous offense. So when I think about Ephesians 5 as well, fathers do not exacerbate your children, do not, do not frustrate your children, do not be harsh with them because you're, they're kids. In a sense, they don't know any better. But when Paul is speaking about these, these errors that are being committed in the Galatian church, or we might even think about these sexual errors in 1 Corinthians, especially that Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, that they will not inherit the kingdom of God, for instance, he is recognizing that they are more culpable for what they were doing. And hence, there has to be a proportionality in correspondence with that culpability. So gentleness has to do with, I think, wisdom as well and knowing the proportionality of your response on the one hand and the thing that you're, you're, you're responding against on the other. So um, there's this whole debate today, and the reason why I think we needed to bring this up on the idea of winsomeness and how to be kind and gentle, especially in a perceivedly post-Christian culture. And usually people are wary of the term winsomeness or gentleness, because I, I really do think these two things are almost synonymous with one another, because they think, well, winsomeness means never speaking out against particular sins, but, but it never included that winsomeness has to do with the proportionality and also a mode of wanting reconciliation at the end of the day. I think that's really good, Gray. The, you know, if, if someone is doing something um, uh, really terrible and they don't have an iota of guilt about it, I don't know if a gentle spirit, you know, could, you know, what you were saying about proportionality, if, you know, if this person may need a bit of a rod before you start to build up. But if a person's already kind of riddled with guilt, you know, and they're already uh, uh, burdened, uh, you know, you don't need to, um, you don't need to come on, come to them with a hammer. You, you really need to know how to build up and edify a spirit of gentleness. I mean, there's that passage, right, Scott and Isaiah, that talks about uh, how, you know, a, a bruised, read the lord will not break uh, uh a flickering flame he will not quench uh can't quite recall where but you know there's the idea that uh you know a, a person uh, or a community that is already um uh 
a feeling, a sense of a burden. They're, they're already kind of at a low point, you know, to, to edify and to encourage and build them up. You really need to know how to do that with words of grace uh, that are um, uh, that are constructive. That's fairly gentle uh, and uh, and gentle in spirit. Yeah, the, the Corinthians correspondence might be case in point there, Peter. Like <clears throat> we're talking about Paul and Paul can be very firm. You know, I wish they would be accursed, you know, as Gray mentioned, but that's not his preference. His preference is to come with words of gentleness. So he says in, you know, 1 Corinthians 4, somewhere he says, you know, what, what would you prefer? Would you rather I come with a rod or with a spirit of gentleness? And, you know, the rhetorical question, the answer is obvious. Gentleness, please. Um and that's Paul's preference as well. Like as their father figure, as their father in the faith, he hopes that he can come and say the hard things that need to be said, but do so not in a spirit of harshness of anger, but in a spirit of gentleness and kindness and, you know, pu pulling us along as, as, as a loving father. I can remember as a, a young man, you know, seeking advice from pastors and others about whether or not I was, you know, trying to discern my call in the ministry. And I can remember early in that conversation meeting with the pastor, he's a, he's a Navy chaplain who, um, because my, my dad was a military guy, that was, that was kind of the first sort of minister on hand was a chaplain. And I remember I went to him and I, I remember in one of our conversations, I had kind of an arrogant self-important spirit i know it's hard for you guys to imagine that being the case but yeah uh it was it was a different time um and uh i uh i remember chatting with him and i was sort of giving an arrogant take on the church and how much the church needed to be fixed and all of these things and he rebuked me pretty harshly um he he kind of threw it in my face in a way that I didn't expect. I went in there thinking he was going to be nodding in agreement and that I'd be showing that I was in the know like he was. And he kind of threw it back on me, you know, using um, actually using James about the double minded man unstable in his ways, you know, kind of putting that back in my face. And I remember being sort of shocked and walking away from it. And that was the first of several conversations. What became apparent later was that he was being very gentle and kind towards me, you know, and he was helping me see an error and a fault that I was to, to your point, Peter, you know, uh, and, and to your point, Gray, you know, that I was not recognizing, I was kind of coming at it arrogantly, like, look how in the know I am. And I needed someone to come and just sort of slam right up against the side of me broadside and push me off of my tracks as it were and get me uh you know get me redirected and then came back around and was like hey let's talk now about what what, are, what were you talking about what did you mean when you were saying that you know and to sort of help me get reconstructed but at the time i actually did need a pretty strong rebuttal however later showing his care it wasn't just that it wasn't just a harsh response but it was actually showing that there was a careful and um, humble and meek desire to see me restored and rebuilt, you know? And so I think to the point, there's a way of even being strong, strongly worded and being, um, I mean, I don't want to say harsh because harsh is always negative, 
but strong, firm, you know, vivid in a rebuke, and yet also still having a spirit of ministry and restoration and care that could fall underneath this sort of uh, this understanding of gentleness. Of course, can that be abused? Absolutely, right? But so can a hyper gentleness as well, you know, a place where you're where you're never willing to say something firmly. It's always a demural. It's always some kind of, you know, rounding out of the of your response so that it's not really hitting the mark. Um, but I think there's a way that gentleness can be firm and strong, like Christ himself was, right? Quite gentle with the Syrophoenician woman. And yet when he's dealing with the spiritual predators of the Pharisees, you know, he's quite strong and vivid in his rebu his rebuke of them. And maybe that's back to Gray's idea of proportionality, because I'm thinking about like you, your example there, uh, when you were presenting that, John came to mind where Jesus has this response to Nicodemus that's very firm. Are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Uh as opposed to uh, the Samaritan woman with whom he is very gentle and uh, kind. So you, you get this, these two, and they're right back to back. It's really interesting how close they are together. And I, I think John is making a point there. Um, and both end up, you know, seemingly converted at some point. It takes Nicodemus a while. Uh, and the Samaritan woman very quickly, but both seem to have want to honor Jesus in, in their life. But he responds to them differently because of the state they're in. You know, they, yeah. he remembers their frame and he knows their relative spiritual maturity yeah. and treats them accordingly. Well, and that with the Syrophoenician woman, you see that too. I, I'm, I, I, I remember as a young Christian really struggling with the fact that he basically calls her a dog, right? He says, "Yeah, I'm here for the kids, not for the dogs." And she says, "But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the children's table." And it's almost like he's feeling. I mean, I, it, it's like Christ recognizes what he said to her, and so the way he closes the conversation is with a such high praise that it covers over the earlier, it makes up for the earlier harshness that he kind of used to draw her out, right? Yeah. By yeah. saying, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. In other words, he just said she's the most faithful person on earth, right? After calling her or suggesting that she was a Gentile dog. Right. You see there a concern for um, the meek and for the humble. And realizing she's in a lesser position, but he knows her and he knows her heart and he draws out her stronger faith in the way that he responds to her. But he's got that concern, you know, um, it's not like it doesn't matter what she thinks or how she feels. Right. That does matter to Jesus. So why is it that I don't hear this in the sort of like how to be a good leader scripts? G gentleness does not seem to be prized in uh, leadership training. Perhaps it's just because um, people are just really bad at it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't think it takes a lot to realize that an effective leader, a good shepherd, caregiver, uh, has to be, uh, has to have a certain gentle temperament and disposition. Because, you know, you're dealing with people, especially in pastoral situations that are at times literally broken. Um, 
but I, I kind of don't know how good we are at it. So, you know, why raise something that you yourself are not very good at? Yeah. Well, I mean, like times, you know, we're, we're going through the list of the fruits of the spirit here. I mean, we can't get through the first couple of them without self-condemning. I mean, we can barely get to the end. Maybe that's another reason why. No, it's just harder to measure because it's easy to test somebody on your doctrinal faithfulness. You know, you ask a few questions about theology and philosophy of ministry, but it's really, really difficult to actually discern whether or not somebody is gentle, really until a case of conflict comes up, a case of suffering comes up, right? And you really don't see that unless there was a spontaneous sort of moment. And it's hard to, even in the long interview process, it's hard to see that. Yeah. You know, I think maybe where it does, where you see it show up maybe is in, you know, mutual respect, you know, when they're talking about like organizational health, is there mutual respect? Is there a desire to see everyone succeed? But it's usually stated in that kind of way. Um, yeah, I don't think you see as much about gentleness. I think in part because we're this is a, we we live sort of in a time where no matter where you are in the sort of culture wars and that that sort of thing, um, everyone's concern seems to be: Are you being strong enough? Are you being right. Are, are you striking back as hard as they're hitting you? Are you being used up as a chump? You know, that's the concern more than are you showing gentleness? Are you showing the kind of confidence in the deeply held, um, you know, integrity that you have to have to be gentle with someone who you oppose? Which I like that. Really hard I, like, to do. I like that combination, Scott, of, of gentleness and confidence that, that actually the 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 brash the the I have to hit them back before they hit me. I have to be strong, otherwise they're going to roll over me. They're going to treat me like a doormat. That's actually coming from a place of fear, whereas gentleness comes from a place of of confidence and and faith. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you you I, I think people sometimes try to sometimes what you'll get is a kind of. Um, a passive aggressive gentleness like i'm sorry you can't understand or i'm sorry if that offended yeah. you but not a true gentleness of of empathy and yeah being rooted being rooted and confident in your position and like a parent should be with their children and yet also being able to come alongside somebody and help them and care for them you know that's that's not a that's not a, a virtue in much of our sort of public discourse these days. You know, I've I've been doing pastoral work for longer than professorial work. You know, and um, um, and yes, I think uh, there are times when, in fact, a a harsh word needs to be shared. Um, and there are times, you know, even Jesus, as we talked about, rebuked Pharisees, turned over tables. And that's all true. There is a place for that type of, uh, of righteous anger. Uh, and we've talked about the proportionality and the need for uh, a more graceful, gentle spirit uh, that's colored with a lot more mercy. Um, but in, you know, as I'm thinking about 30 years of pastoral work, I really can't think of a time when, uh, uh, you know, where I could really think back and say, yeah, I really needed to speak harshly or really aggressively. Um, it really was always more of a graceful, gentle spirit that won out the day. 
and how certain situations where I thought I was totally right and being a little bit more um, direct and forceful, and it didn't turn out that great, uh, you know, I kind of wondered and think back that maybe, you know, Scott, your example was a great one because it was it was direct, but it wasn't mean. It at least it didn't sound it. It 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 was direct words, but yet done with a with a heart of grace and care. Um and and it was intended to be given with a, a spirit of gentleness. And 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 so it, you know, it I'm kind of in a quandary. You know, I, I believe that there are times when we really need to speak directly and 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 hold up the rod, but as I think back, I can't really think of a time when that I really felt like that was the best thing to do. It really is more of a of a gentle spirit that that really is the most effective way to go. Well, yeah, I think that's great, Peter. I, you're, I have the ex exact same experience that I rarely look back and say, I wish I had been more harsh or I wish I'd really laid into them more. I think I know the times that I soften my response because of fear of not wanting to have confrontation or something. I mean, I, I think I know what that feels like. And I get not everybody's getting moving into this kind of like internal thermometer for these things is maybe not the most helpful because not everybody's got a great internal thermometer. You know, I feel like though that usually I, I can feel when I'm when I am, you know, pulling back or pulling my punches out of some kind of unhealthy fear. Um, but that's not the majority of the time. The majority of the time it's I want to go lay into the person and I need to remind myself and it's painful. I mean, it can be a painful thing to really pull back when you want to lay into somebody and you pull back and you show meekness and humility. It's like a there's a psychic pain with that <laughs> that can be really hard. And when I do it, I I can't even think of a time off the top of my head where I'm like, man, I wish I'd really been more harsh or hadn't pulled back or hadn't been more caring and understanding. You know, it's almost always you look back on that, like you said, and say, you know, that's that that was the exact right way. Praise sometimes I look back and praise God that somehow the spirit cut through my mess mm. so that the fruit of the spirit came out and you know the thing I wanted to do didn't come out, right? And that's what, I mean, I think that's what Paul's laying out here. These are the fruits of the spirit. These aren't the fruit of uh, the disciplined mind. These aren't the fruit of the virtuous person, right? These are the fruit of the spirit. And that's what we're, when we're meditating on these and we're praying for them, we're praying for the Lord to come with his alien righteousness and mm -hmm. have to find expression in us. Yeah, I, I wonder if this is connected with what you said earlier, Scott. I think at the beginning, you know, the, it, a gentle spirit has to come from this place of uh, rather than anger, like genuine love and desire and care for the other person. So often our rebuke or our uh, the, the challenging words that we have to say to somebody are, are just us pouring out our anger on somebody else. Like it, it's more about me getting out my frustration than it is about bringing the other person into a spot of uh, of care and I'm reminded of James. James, you know, James says, uh, I think it's James one where he says, uh, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And as, as all passages in the Bible that mention the righteousness of God, there's a lot of debate about what James means there. Um, but I, I take the position that he means something like does not bring about God's justice His just judgment. And I think so often in in situations where we're angry or tempted to be harsh, 
what we think we are doing is bringing judgment on the person. Yeah. You know, dispensing justice, the justice of my anger poured out upon you. And that's not God's justice. That's not, that's not how it's brought about. It's brought about actually much more perfectly when we are gentle and lowly of heart and waiting on Jesus to transform and God to deliver. There are a lot of preconditions for gentleness, isn't there? There's um, the preconditions of not coming from a place of fear and so having a sense of security in God. And I also just think that there is a sense of trust in God that ultimately judgment is his. I think what informs our patience and kindness and gentleness, to mention the other fruits of the Spirit as well, is a trust that God ultimately knows best that I neither have the wisdom to know what this person deserves, nor do I have um, the prerogative to mete out the judgment that only God can give. And so I think there's this sense of trust that God knows best and God will give out the judgment and it is not my place to do so, even though by relying on the word of God, I can know right from wrong. I can know good and evil and I can therefore respond appropriately. And I also think there's this, this sense of rest means that you're, you're able to um, sleep well at night and therefore able to come to the day with a sense of sobriety because i think if you're anxious if you feel like you have to put everything under control and that everything is up to you and your own judgment you won't be able to rest and restlessness means a lack of gentleness usually mm. yeah I mean, even in our common discourse about being tired one of the one of the main ways that tiredness is shown right is through irritability frustration flying off the handle that's uh that's interesting isn't it that yeah there's something about having sabbath dwell that makes it possible for you to be gentle right and therefore having to let go of meeting deadlines and having to let go of these standards that you impose upon yourself and what do you expect of the day to go because that's when our gentleness really goes away when we think i know exactly what my day should be like or i know exactly what my week should be like yeah. But it's not going that way. And so everything has been violated and I'm going to bring the judgment of God because you got in my way or something like that. And yeah. that's really an, 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 an appropriate way of meeting out judgment. And realizing that you're not in control, which actually allows you to rest in God, allows us to be gentle to other people. Yeah. That's Who good. needs therapy when you have the faculty podcast? This is This is great. <laughs> I'm just I'm working through all my issues right here, guys. Yeah, this yeah. is this this is my process group. Well, since we're gonna uh, listen to this and be like, oh, that's why you're not gentle because you're doing this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, now, now that we're uh, burying our souls, <laughs> in a manner of speaking, you know, I I do find myself lacking gentleness at times when I don't see things happening, uh, you know, according to my own plan or my own thought processes. I was gonna um, say that, Peter. I was gonna draw our attention to you now. Oh, well, all right. Well, there, there you go. And that was very gentle how you got me to do that, by the way, I have to say. Um, you know, uh, Gray mentioned how, you know, we have a certain schedule and we kind of work with that. Uh, and when it's violated, you know, or when it, it's disrupted for whatever reason, we start to get a little agitated and we and gentleness is just thrown out the window. Uh, there are times, in fact, our own priorities um, 
what we value, perhaps in terms of matters of truth, um, and people don't appreciate it, and we get frustrated with why people don't appreciate these things, um, kind of brings out a certain uh, alreadiness within us that's not very gracious and gentle. Like, you know, we, we deal with truth matters all the time in 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 what we do here, and it and we think it's great, and it is great, and and, and there is a certain level of patience that we need to have. Remember to remember that when we teach it to students or to congregants, you know, it takes it, it sometimes it takes some time for them to really get and value uh, these things and, and, and for us to not be too quick tempered, uh, to be gentle, patient as we work with students and others uh, to communicate these truths. Yeah. And I think that sense of proportionality comes back where the firmness and the anger that Paul exhibits in Galatians 1 is in response to sin and in response to false teaching. People violating our schedules, people violating our expectations for the week is not sin. Um, and hence, we should be gentle towards that because we're not in control. And if God is in control, he can determine things. So we, we could distinguish as well between finitude and sinfulness. And we can exhibit gentleness when people do exhibit signs of finitude. And one of the ways in which we embrace our finitude is by being okay with the sudden shifts that could happen throughout your day, especially if you have families and so on. Yeah. And also recognizing, I mean, I think even in the area of um, bad teaching or theological error, being able to discern theological error that is out of ignorance, you know, because someone just stumbled into the room. This is the thing. I mean, Peter, what I heard you saying just now, uh, this is the thing I often have to remind myself of is that I spend all my day thinking about this theological stuff. And I often find myself talking to someone who just started talk, thinking about it yesterday. Right. And they come in and say something outlandish, like it isn't the Trinity, just like a cloverleaf. And I want to go, what, are you crazy? Like, haven't you been paying attention? You know, and, and that's where the harshness can come out. Right. As opposed to recognizing they're coming into this from a place of ignorance and kind of helping them walk through and consider and look at the text. And as a teacher, I find that I can do that really well in the classroom because that's, that place is set apart for that. And that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, it's a little harder sometimes, you know, at a group in a group setting in some casual other setting or like over the dinner table or something like that. It can be sometimes harder to be, generous and gracious and gentle in the response because you want to go how can i even talk to you you know you need you need you just need to go to seminary or something like that you know so being able to being able to recognize when is something like when paul's dealing with the judaizers you know he's dealing with a concerted thoughtful opposition to the gospel you know, as opposed to dealing with somebody like the Samaritan woman, right, who kind of thinks she knows what she's talking about, but she doesn't really know what she's talking about, you know, uh, asking which mountain they should worship in, you know, and he's kind of bringing her along, you know, mm -hmm. into the right, into right belief. So, I mean, I think that's also a form of gentleness that us in the academic world, and probably pastors too, have to kind of be aware of. When are you talking to someone who has a concerted opposition to the gospel and when someone is just acting out of ignorance. I mean, is that a fair distinction to make? Absolutely. Yep. 
brothers, we're coming to the last one, which in some ways, as we've been talking about these, it seems like we've, with each of the fruit of the spirit, we've hit a point where we've talked about how these don't always come naturally because they are fruit of the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Not fruit of the flesh, as it were, they're fruit of the spirit. And so there are things that we can be, um, uh, that we can cultivate, that we can nurture through Christian discipline, but basically they all require what will be our last of the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control, right? So um, this sets the stage for our next episode on the fruit of the spirit, where we'll, we'll talk through self-control, which I do think is is kind of, I mean, all of these, I think we've said um, all of these fruit sort of bear on the other fruit, but this is the one to me that kind of seems to go back and then repopulate all of the others with new meaning because they all involve self-control to a certain extent. So I look forward to coming back together and talking with you all about that. Um, until then, uh, everyone, we're getting ready for classes in the fall. If you're, if you're a student of RTS, take a look at our upcoming classes on the RTS website. You can actually just Google RTS Washington upcoming classes and you can see what's being offered there. We'd love to have you register. If you're interested in taking more classes at RTS or enrolling, please uh, start that conversation with us. You can go to rts.edu forward slash Washington and we'd love to start that conversation with you. And uh, for everyone else, I look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, take care.